Jenny and I watched a movie the other night, and it uh, is in part two, and uh, it's the the first Unbroken is about an Olympic runner back in the 30s and 40s that uh, went into World War II, and his plane got shot down, and he was uh, out at sea for like 47 days. It's a true story. Uh, he's out at sea it for like 47 days on a raft, and then he bumps into a, they bump into a boat and it's a Japanese boat, so he goes from being stranded at sea to being a prisoner of war, and he, he go, gets into basically the worst uh, prison camp there is under the worst general there is, and he gets tortured and beaten, and uh, horrible things happen to him, but he survives and comes through, and it's a story of, of, uh, uh, of survival. The second one, part two, uh, is a, it's, it's called Road to Redemption, because when he, it's about him after he comes back, and Everything's supposed to be okay. He's good. He meets a meets a woman, falls in love, gets married, starts a life, and everything's supposed to be good. But he's still haunted by the the memories of this this Japanese general that tortured him so badly. And throughout the whole movie, he 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 just sees these flashbacks and and things happening, and and it's it troubles him, and he he starts drinking to help put it away. And of course, you know how that goes, and he becomes just a total drunk and basically loses almost everything um, but his wife right when she's about ready to had enough and is getting ready to divorce him uh, she goes to a Billy Graham crusade in Los Angeles and 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 I, it's hard to tell from the movie if she was already saved or if she got saved but uh, basically gets uh, a renewed hope <coughs> from Billy Graham <coughs> and she goes back to him and says you know I'm not going to leave you we're going to get through this and then uh, he ends up attending a couple of the Billy Graham Crusades. And uh, first night, he, he runs away because he's, he, you know, just whatever. But the second night, right as he's getting ready to leave, um, right as he's, he's up, he gets up right as he, the Billy Graham is, has given the invitation. And you can tell something's working in him. And he gets up to leave. He's like, I'm not going to do this. I can't do this. This is fake. This, this isn't real. This isn't what I need for help. Uh, right as he gets to the door, he's about to leave. Billy Graham says, stop. You can leave later when I'm preaching again, but right now I just want you to stop and come back. And he stops, and, and the, you can tell that he's going through a, 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 a time of torment. And in his, he gets this vision in his mind of this general saying, look at me. He says, look at me. And he, he's looking at him, and then he's looking back at Billy Graham, and the general is in his mind, he's saying, look at me. And he turns around and he goes back to Billy Graham, of course, and he falls on his knees. It's actually a really good story. Um, and it, I don't know, I just thought it was a great story. It's a true story. Louis Zamperini is the, the runner, and uh, the, the Olympic runner. And he, after that, he, he opened up a boys' camp in Los Angeles for troubled boys and worked with Billy Graham a lot and basically devoted his whole life to that. But it's funny that we, we watched that movie, and I had prepared this message already, but I didn't have it finished when we watched it. Um, and and, and that, that picture of that general in his mind saying, look at me, look at me, really just hit home with me because we all have things from our past <clears throat> that demand our attention. And they're always constantly saying, look at me, look at me. Every time we try to turn our backs on that and we, and we, and we try to look to Christ, there's always something saying, look at me, look at me. The harder we try to turn from it, the louder it gets, and the more it demands our attention. 
But it's only through Christ, of course, that we can say no. That we can turn our backs on that for good and say no. Let's look at Psalm 23. We all know the psalm. It's probably one of the best-known psalms, if not the best-known chapter in the Bible. Everybody knows it, even non-Christians know it. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I'm going to stop there. The message that I was preparing, even before we watched that movie, but that, that really hit home with me was restoration. We all know about restoring cars, and it's, it's great. You take something that was working at one point, and it's been neglected or abused or forgotten about, and you take it and you, you put some time into it, and you put some love into it, and then it becomes good again. It becomes usable again. It becomes sometimes even better than it was new. It certainly becomes worth more than when it was new, probably. He restoreth my soul. This psalm, the first, first uh, four verses here at least, are written from the, the, from the perspective of the sheep itself. Now, David was a shepherd, but he's, he's changed places here, and he's putting himself as the sheep. And he's saying, I was forgotten. I was lonely. I was hurt. I was neglected. And you restored me. Restoration is something we all seek. I'm, I'm preaching to, to the choir here. I know that. But even the longest Christians still have things from their past that come back and pull at us and pull at us to say, Come back. Come back. You liked me before. Let's do this again. It's not always doesn't have to be drinking, and it doesn't always have to be war stories. It can be past relationships. It can be current relationships that have gone through troubles. It can be times of disappointment, sorrow, Missing a family member? Satan can use all of that to say, turn away from Christ for a minute and look at me. Look at me. Let's focus on me for a little bit. There's always something in a Christian's life that says, me. That says, look at me. The definition of restore is to give back or to return and this is the part I like. It says to put back into use or service. To put or bring back into a former or original state. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3. In verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Paul had a lot in his past that he struggled with. Paul tortured and killed Christians. I'm sure that haunted him every day. 
And those memories probably yelled at him constantly, look at me, look at me. Stephen, watching Stephen getting stoned to death. Look at me. How can you serve Christ when you did something like this? Look at me. Don't look at Christ. Look at me. And it demanded his attention. But Paul, through the grace of God and through, through, through Christ himself, was able to, says here, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Paul didn't just look forward to him. He reached for those things which are before. Looking ahead can only get you so far, but you have to start doing something to actually achieve what you want to do. And, and that can be giving things over to Christ and then going to work for him. The time that we give to that past, that time is time that is stolen from our service for the Lord. God wants all of us, not 99% of us. And his death on the cross, he gave 100% of himself for us. And he expects the same from us towards him. Not 99% with 1% looking back, yearning for something else, struggling with something else, giving attention to something else. Thank you, Jason. Christ wants 100% of us. <laughs> time stolen. Satan steals our time from the Lord by saying, look at me, look at me, look at this, look at the hurt you went through, look at the pain you caused somebody else, look at any number of things, look at how this person hurt you. It could be bitterness, it could be doubt, it could be sins that you committed, pain that you've been through. All of these things Satan uses and demands his attention to say, look at me, look at me. Ephesians chapter 4, 17. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17, I should say. says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth not walk or walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind having the, the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. This is how Paul overcame his past that ye put off concerning, verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. True holiness and righteousness doesn't have a blend of, of former life in it. It is its own thing. It is true and pure and perfect. It's been refined through the fire to get rid of those imperfections of the past and to become purer through it. I'm sure Paul had to go through a time of hurt to get rid of that, to be refined, to be put through the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but to come out the better for it, to come out the stronger for it, to come out cleaner and purer 
and more Christ, all Christ. There's no room in a Christian's life for the haunting and demonizing of past fears, of past, of their past life. There's no room in that in a Christian's life. Jesus Christ overcame that for us on the cross. To restore can also mean to, to give back. If you've stolen something from somebody, you can restore it by giving it back to them. Israel looked for Jesus Christ to be a restorer of the kingdom in Acts chapter 1. We don't have to turn there, but I'll read it real quick. Acts chapter 1, verse 6, even the disciples and the apostles wondered after being with Christ for a long time. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 says, when they, were there, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They were looking for something physical to be given back to them. Israel had been stolen, conquered, broken for hundreds of years now at this point. It had been taken from them, and they wanted it back, rightfully so. They were looking for something to be given back to them that had been taken. But that's not what Christ came for. We as the church today don't look for anything physical to be restored to us, but we look for, we look for a life that's been stolen, a life that's been broken, a life that's been conquered to be given back. That is what Christ came for. Those sins that broke us, those former relationships that conquered us, that, that church that hurt us so badly, that employer that did us wrong, whatever it might be, that family member, that mother or father, or whatever it might be that, that hurt us, that's something that's been stolen from us, and Christ looks to restore that, to give that back through him and through his blood and through his, his sacrifice. But we have to look at the right place. We can't do it on our own. Then the movie, the guy looked to drinking. That's the classic self-help, you know? I can't sleep at night, I'm going to drink. I'm having nightmares, I'm going to drink. I can't forget about these things, so I'm going to drink. I don't think anybody here has that problem. I hope not. But it's, it's a self-help, whether it's drinking or saying I'm strong enough to do this on my own, or whether it's uh, pills or um, whatever the case might be. There's nothing that we can do to restore that past life. We have to give that over to Christ and let him be the restorer of broken things. To be the restorer. He's put in the love. He's put in the time. He has the time to give us to restore that, what's been broken. There is no hurt. There is no pain. There's no sorrow that's too difficult for Christ to restore. There's nothing that he cannot heal if we'll let him. Because we'll always have those things saying, you can do this, Clinton. You can overcome this on your own. You're good enough. You're strong enough. Satan can even say, you're a good enough Christian to do this on your own. But are we ever good enough Christians to do anything? No. Being a Christian is a life of, of, of weakness in self, but strength through Christ. Being broken for Christ to let him do the healing, to let him do the restoring, 
to let him be the potter that molds us and makes us and shapes us into what he wants to be. That, that jar that's being molded of clay has no, no ability to make itself anything. It can't do anything on its own. It is completely in the hands of that potter. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Got a lot of scripture here, so I want to keep moving. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 26. Let's back up a little bit here. Verse, uh, we'll start in verse 24 just to get the context. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. We all know Satan goes around as, a, as a, a thief in the night, seeking to devour whomever he will. And it says here that we're taken captive by him at his will, in and of ourselves. We have had our joy. We've had our peace, our fellowship, our marriages, our families, our churches stolen from us, taken captive by the Satan at his will. Like Israel, we need to be praying that Christ will restore these things to us. We can't restore them on our own, in our own power, in our own strength. Only the Lord can restore these things. Again, you don't have to turn there, but Proverbs chapter 3, we all know it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29, starting in verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. We need to be searching with the, to the Lord with all our heart, putting everything, all of our past, all of our hurt, pain, giving it, putting it under the blood, and letting him, searching out for Christ with a whole heart. And it says we will find him, and he will answer us. And you shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. That's what we need to restore our lives in Christ, is for, to come to him on our knees, to search him out with a whole heart, and then let him hearken to us. We can never climb our way to Christ. We can never do good enough to reach heaven. We know that. We know these things. That we can't, we can't ever do enough to attain Christ on our own. But yet we hold on to things to handle on our own. We hang on to pain, bitterness, and we, we don't let him have it. 
If we know that we can't do good enough to get to him, why would we leave anything from him? Why wouldn't we just give it all to him for healing and restoration? As, as Christians, saved people, we all accepted Christ and, and have salvation through him. But that's not the end of the war. There may, that may be the biggest battle you can win over the devil, but that doesn't mean he stops just because we've received salvation. Salvation in and of itself is not enough to put that pain away. That's not enough to be the restorer. It's a good start. It's the start, the only start, but it's not the end of it. Satan keeps demanding, even after salvation, probably more so after salvation, because he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to fight so hard when we're without Christ. We give him ourselves freely. It's not a, it's not a struggle. It's not a battle. It's something we just do. We, we let him be the Lord of our lives. He doesn't have to put up any kind of struggle, fight for that for us. That's his territory. Once salvation enters in and we give that ground to Christ, Satan then starts fighting like a, you know, an animal that's cornered. They might be fine until they get cornered and then they start fighting harder. And Satan still wants us to, still wants to be Lord of our lives every day, even if, if eternity's won through Jesus Christ. Satan still wants that ground every day for him. And unfortunately, we give it to him and saying, I'm saved. That's, that's all I need. I'm saved. But every day, there's things we need to give to the Lord. And every day, we need to put those things from our past to death through Christ. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Look at verse 2 real quick. It says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And we may not think that it's sin. You say, I'm hurt. I've got pain. I've got struggles. But we can't live in that. We can't live in that daily. Let's jump over to Romans chapter 8. And I mean, these are such good verses and chapters. We all know this. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 6. I'm just going to read a, a few verses here. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is, or Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. This flesh is dead. The things, the, the, the harbor that we harbor in this flesh are dead. And the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. 
For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if through the Spirit, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then right here is where it really kind of kicks in for this. For we, are, we have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We have not received the spirit of bondage. That's not how we're to live. We have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. When my kids are hurt, I don't like to see them trying to fix it on their own. Trying to say, no, Dad, I'll be okay. No, I'm okay. No, I'm okay. I can, I can do this. I'm okay. I mean, a part of me says, yeah, that's good. It you know, makes them tough. That's great. But a part of me wants them to come to me and say, Dad, I hurt myself. Can you help me? Because a lot of times what they do is they will, especially Joshua, so they will struggle for a while, hurting themselves. No, I'll be okay. Dad, I'm okay. No, I don't need any help. I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't need any help. So you leave them alone for a while. After about 15 minutes, they say, Dad, can you help me with this? After he struggled with it and struggled with it and struggled with it. And then he comes to me and says, I need some help. Can you get me a Band-Aid? Or, you know, can you look at this? It's bleeding all over the carpet or something like that, you know? There's a part of us that is always trying to say, I can do this on my own. I can do this on my own. No, I don't need your help. I can do this on my own. But then we have to eventually cry out, Abba, Father. God, I need your help. I've tried and I've struggled and I can't do this on my own. Take care of me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. Let's go ahead and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'll, I'll probably wrap up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, we all, we all love 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because it <clears throat> talks about the rapture. But let's look at this, some of these verses here in the, in the light of dying daily and needing Christ daily and being dirty and and. and, and unclean and, and unable to do anything of ourselves every single day. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll start in verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. And you're going to say, well, this is talking about the rapture when the dead rise up again. But if we're, if we're truly Christ, it says we die daily. And we can only be alive in Christ. So so also is the resurrection of the dead. That should be me this morning. I should have died to myself this morning when I got up and resurrected through the power of Christ. And in, in him and him only should I be living my life daily. So yes, I should be. This should be an example of me every day. The resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption and it is raised in incorruption. That person that I am all the pain, all the past sin, everything that I struggle with, the bitterness, needs to die daily in corruption. That's corrupt, filthy, and raised up in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised up in glory. It is sown in weakness and raised in power. 
My life daily needs to be death to all of these things. Death to, death to corruption. Death to dishonor. Death to the weakness of my flesh. Resurrected every single day through Christ and in the power of his blood. Raised up in incorruption. Raised up in glory. Raised up in power. It is sown in verse 44, a natural body that needs to be dead every day with all the pain, all the hurt, all the bitterness, all that natural stuff that I carry with me every day needs to be raised up a spiritual body. Spiritually in Christ, if we've put it under the blood and we've given it to him and we let him do it, I have no past in Christ. Things that people have done to me have no power over me in Christ because it's been put to death. Things that I harbor against other people have no power over me in Christ. Every day needs to be for us a resurrection. All those things need to be put under the blood and die every day. All of them need to be raised up apart from our flesh, apart from our, our self, raised up in Christ, in spiritual, <clears throat> a spiritual life. Then jump ahead to verse 57 of that same chapter. But thanks be to God, which giveth us, giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You want victory in your life over, these, over your past? You want victory in your life over the, the sins that, that so easily beset us? Over the things that, that you harbor from your past, from some people as far back as their childhood? Things their parents did to them. Harboring, still hanging on to it. That's not a victory. That victory can only come through Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, forasmuch as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our work for the Lord, He wants us to be spiritual. He wants all of this past put behind, under the blood, to be raised up, incorruptible, to work for him, to glorify and honor him. That time that Satan takes from us of dwelling on the past needs to be used for the Lord. To just, whatever he's called you to, that's up to each person and between you and God. But he gives us the victory to be able to do that. There should be those things that just call us, say, look at me, look at me, that demand attention, Christ can overcome. And that is the victory. So, thank you.